I begin today with two questions for the parents in the congregation. Those of you who are not parents can imagine what your responses would be if you were. Question number one. Do you love your children just as they are? Do you love your children just the way they are? I hope your response to that question is a resounding yes. Because if you say no, you're indicating that the love you have for your children is conditional. You're implying that they have to do something or become something or pass some kind of test in order to earn your love. Most parents that I know, thankfully, do not put those kinds of conditions or restrictions on the love they have for their sons and daughters. They love their children even when their children ignore them, speak ill of them, disappoint them, hurt them, or rebel against them, which sadly does happen on occasion. One of the best examples of this phenomenon in the Bible is the Old Testament story of David and Absalom. David, we all know, right? He was the second and the greatest of Israel's kings. Absalom is a name we might not be familiar with. Absalom was one of David's sons. He was also very ambitious in the worst sense of that term, ambitious. He wanted daddy's job. He wanted to be king himself. And so what did he do? He hatched a plot against his own father. He got a number of people to follow him in his rebellion. He put together a substantial army. At one point, he even drove his father out of the capital city of Jerusalem. His ultimate intention was to kill David and steal the throne. But unfortunately for Absalom, one of David's soldiers killed him first. But what's extremely interesting is the way the Bible describes David's reaction to his son's death. In 2 Samuel 19, verse 1, we read the following. The king was shaken and went up to the room over the city gate to weep. He said as he wept, My son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, Absalom, my son, my son. Are you serious, David? <laughs> Say what? This boy was trying to kill you. He hated your guts. He wouldn't have thought twice about killing you with a spear or a sword or his own bare hands. And this is your reaction to his death? Well, of course it was. David loved his child unconditionally. He didn't love what his son had done, certainly not. But he did love his son. And that's the way it is with most parents. Thanks be to God. Which brings us to question number two. 
If you love your children just as they are, are you content to let them stay that way? In this case, I hope your answer is a resounding no. David loved Absalom just as he was. But if David had been given the chance, you can be sure he would have done everything in his power to change his son for the better. And that's the way it is with all good parents. Yes, they love their children just the way they are, but too much to let them remain in their present condition. Which is exactly the way God loves us. And that's why I mention it this morning. Except the love of God is infinitely greater than the love of any parent here on earth for his or her child. Dr. Scott Hahn of the University of Steubenville has a great quote, and I'm kind of using it as the basis for this homily. So if you forget everything I've said or will say in this homily, remember this one line. Again, it's from Dr. Scott Hahn. God loves us just the way we are, but too much to let us stay that way. This truth is revealed in each of our scripture readings today, most notably that beautiful text we just heard from John chapter 3, where Jesus utters these famous words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. That's a text, incidentally, that we need to take personally, very personally. And I want to make that point this morning because I think there are many Catholics out there who don't take it personally, who don't believe that God really cares about them or really cares about their day-to-day problems. And you hear it, you notice it in the things that they sometimes say. I've heard Catholics say and even non-Catholics say, oh, God knows all the bad things I've done in my life. He knows them all and I've done a lot of them. How could he possibly love me? Or they say, you know, God has a big job. He created the whole universe. He's got to keep the thing going. He's got a lot to be concerned about. He doesn't have time to be bothered with me and with my day-to-day problems. Those are far too small for him to be worried about. When Jesus Christ says world in this text, what he means is each and every individual who has existed or who does exist, or who will exist until the end of time. And guess what? That includes you. And it includes me. So when we read this particular line of the Bible, we shouldn't just think of the human race in general, although we should. We should also think of ourselves individually. In fact, it's okay to put me and I into this text. It's a legitimate change because it means the same thing. For God so loved me that he gave his only son, that if I believe in him, I might have eternal life and not perish. If you're one of those people I spoke of a few moments ago who does not believe this, then what you need to do at this Mass, what you need to do in the near future, what you need to do throughout the rest of Lent is to pray for the grace to believe this. Because believing this one simple line of the Bible can literally change your life. It has changed many lives. That's why they used to hold this up, this verse of the Bible up on big cards 
at NFL games, right? This is John 3.16. Yeah, don't do that anymore. I, I kind of wish they did. Because <laughs> it might get some people to open up the Bible, read it, and believe it. Unless we think that we have to earn God's love in some way, the Holy Spirit has been gracious enough in the church this weekend to give us this second reading from Ephesians 2, where we hear these words, and listen to them carefully. God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. God loves us just as we are. According to this text, even when we are dead in our transgressions. You know what that means, practically speaking? That means that God loves us when we are in the state of mortal sin. Every bit as much as he loved somebody like Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta when she was at her holiest. Say what, Father Ray? Yes, that's true. It is true. But of course, he loves us much too much to let us remain in our sin. And so God will do whatever he needs to do to bring us to conversion. He will even allow us to suffer as good parents will sometimes allow their children to suffer so that they will become better people. Boys and girls in the congregation, this is why your parents sometimes send you to your room or take away your privileges or say no. It's because they care. If they didn't care about you, they'd let you run amok and do whatever you wanted to do. This is where that first reading comes into play, that text we heard from 2 Chronicles 36. As you will recall, that passage begins by telling us about how many of the Lord's Old Testament children in Judah were, and here I quote, adding infidelity to infidelity, practicing all the abominations, and that was a lot, of the nations and polluting the Lord's temple, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. And not only that, the text says they attacked the prophets, the good guys, who God sent to them to straighten them out. They did all of that. So what happened? Well, very simply, God allowed them to suffer. He allowed them to experience the negative consequences of the evil they were into. He did it because he loved them so much. He did it because he knew that if he allowed that, them to experience that suffering, it would eventually bring them to repentance and conversion. As it says in the text, he allowed the Babylonians, the big bad Babylonians, to march in, conquer them, burn the temple to the ground, and carry them off into exile for some 50 years. After which time the psalmist wrote those beautiful words of today's responsorial psalm that Suzanne sang so well a few moments ago. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and wept, remembering Zion, remembering our home, remembering the temple, remembering how we had it so good. This is something that we all need to remember whenever we're going through a difficult trial, which for some of us might be every day. 
God allows suffering in our lives for the very same reason he allowed it in the lives of his chosen people in the Old Testament. He allows it for the sake of a greater good. And there is no greater good, my brothers and sisters, than our conversion and our eternal salvation.